Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and I'm the founder and CEO of Collab Talk. You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. This episode was recorded in April of 2020 and is a discussion with Mark Jones, founder of Collaborus and of the Collab365 community, as well as the quarterly Global Con conferences. Hey, this is Christian Buckley. We just wrapped up another Collab Talk Tweet Jam, and I'm here with Mark Jones. Hey, good afternoon for you, or evening. Hi, everybody, and thanks for a good tweet jam there, Christian. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think the the comments that I had from quite a few people, uh, and I think this every single month, was how incredibly fast it just flies by, an hour. And we're, we're only covering seven questions during that hour, but, I mean, it just screams past us. Yeah, I think a lot of people have a lot of things to say around when it comes to community. That's what I found anyway. Well, when you're looking down at the screen or you're, you're paying attention, you're reading what other people are writing and trying to get a comment in via Twitter, uh, it just it helps it all fly by very quickly. Yeah, the topic this month, of course, was something near and dear to both of our hearts uh, is the best practices for organizing community events. And that's yeah. online as well as in person. And you've done both of those things. But for people that don't know who you are, maybe you can introduce yourself and some of the events that you've put together. Yeah, sure. So I'm Mark Jones and I've, I've been in SharePoint probably for around about 12 years now. And then I got more into the community in about 2013. And I think a lot of you will probably remember SP24, which is- I still the have the stickers. Yeah. 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 The first 20, I can't believe it's so long ago as well. So that was the first 24 hour virtual summit. And when we did that, I completely got the bug. And off that, we've spun out Club 365. We've got blog sites. We've done, I think at last count, it was 22 virtual events. Wow. Uh, we've done loads more 24-hour ones. But now we've kind of settled into four a year, which we're calling the Club 365 summits. So yeah, I'm they, all about virtual, really. I have been to in-person events as an attendee, but my speciality is really virtual. It, it, so, and I've so. done both of those. And I'm more of the novice on the, the virtual events. You know, we're... Uh, I was very interested in, in having participated in uh, quite a few of yours. I mean, the, the yeah. SP24, for people that aren't aware of that event, I mean, they were, you guys were running it like running a television station for a 24-hour period, so following the sun. And so yeah. I participated like at the beginning of the sessions and then early morning the next day, and you guys were all still going and heavily caffeinated, <laughs> and that was a massive undertaking. Yeah, they're the most exhausting things to do, but they're also a very good buzz. And I, I do like the idea because you can include everybody in the world in your, that one event. But by the end of it, you are absolutely shattered. You're gone. <laughs> yep. Yeah, in, indeed. Well, let's run through this. So the questions that were discussed today kind of get, you know, share your thoughts on each of these. Yeah. So the first one is, uh, what are your go-to tools for organizing community events? So we can probably break this down into like, the, the kind of operational tools for virtual events and also the marketing tools. Operationally, to actually run an event, we use, we actually, we've created our entire own conference platform that we run them in, just so it's bespoke and it's easy for us to use. And marketing wise, we use a plethora, so we use Active Campaign to manage lists. We've got a, we use a social tool called uh, Sociomonials to actually spread out our social messages along this, the different social networks. Because it's, if you'll probably agree, it's really hard. If you've got one thing you want to say, the last thing you want to do 
He's got to post it on Facebook, post it on Twitter and LinkedIn. Right. Well, I'm like, a, I, I'm like a, a paid Hootsuite user, TweetDeck. Um, yeah. There's a number of tools that are out there for like an individual consumer or for teams to go yeah. out and do that. So Yeah, so we use that. But I'd probably say that the most important one for Opt is, is ActiveCampaign. And for those that don't know, Active Campaign allows you to run, uh, manage an email list effectively. So once you get them in the email list, you can then send a follow-up email series. So it's really important for us. And I guess the other important one for us personally is something called WordPress, which many people have heard of. But we use a plugin on, plug on top of that called Fry Themes, which is a really, really, really cool page builder makes life really easy so there are kind of main tools we use loads of other things beyond that to do with like paid advertising etc but they're the main ones to run in the event and get the speakers there oh yes the other one is a, a guy called matt weston i'm sure most of you know he built us the most beautiful speaker on boarding process in power automate microsoft forms sharepoint and teams so now we manage the whole process of call for speakers and helen who was on the camera a while ago she just manages it all and we can manage see it all into inside of teams, which is awesome because it centralizes everything for us. Well, that's awesome. So that's like a team's version of sessionize. Yes. Yeah. We've, yeah. I've not seen sessionize personally, but yes, I, from what I've heard about it, it will be the same. Yeah. yeah it's pretty, it's pretty uh, uh, popular over here is gaining a popularity, but it's, uh, and, and it's and sessionize uh, there, of course the paid version out there. If you're doing a, uh, a nonprofit, a free community event, you can get the, the tools for free as well. But, uh, yeah. you know, but like we use uh, for a lot of our community activities and our in-person events, I mean, Eventbrite or um, we use and pay for Meetup. And we use that for our, our regional community activities here in Utah. Um, yeah. But Sessionize um, and then a lot of these other tools that you've mentioned. Well. So the second question I think is really important. This is a hard one when you start talking about marketing. So what are the three things an organizer can do to raise awareness of their community event? I know there's well, not just three things, but. Well, when we go back to SB24 days, it was really easy to get, but we got five and a half thousand people registered, not spending a penny on ads. So we were able to put a message on Facebook, put a message on Twitter, LinkedIn, and we got five and a half thousand people registered. We did some other things as well, like the guys went over to SharePoint Conference at the time and did a, a bit of promo there. But it was all done organically free. But the thing, <coughs> the thing that's changed three years ago is Mark Zuckerberg said, it's an end to free organic traffic. So if you now go post a link on Facebook, you're not gonna get much traffic from it at all. So we now use, we've gone heavily into Facebook ads heavily 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 and we spend an eye-watering amount every time on facebook ads but then that obviously leads to the question how you pay for those which we can go into if you want but that's our number one is we use facebook ads and we use twitter ads during the event because we find that's really easy to build awareness to say hey the event's ready come 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 uh <coughs> and then things like sociomonials we go to our list because we've obviously got a massive list now because we've done so many events so we, we refresh that way and we ask the speakers as well. So we, we do speaker videos for everybody. And we ask the speakers to share the, the videos on organic traffic themselves. But from, you know, from reasons I've just mentioned, that's not as effective as it used to be because obviously the platform doesn't always show the speaker videos. Right. Well, that's one, you know, having a strategy for saturation is smart. I think you're, you're doing that. The paid advertising, uh, of course, you've got presence in a number of locations. Usually you have your event page 
You've got yeah. blogs, blog posts from you as the event organizer, as well as the speakers. And so helping yeah. get the word out there, that is going to help even through, while I agree with you, organic no longer exists, certainly not in the Facebook world, um, but even out in the other social platforms, yeah. you know, Twitter and LinkedIn can get lost very quickly. But if you have, let's say 30 speakers for a, a full day event, uh, and they're all blogging and actively tweeting and posting out on the other social networks and Instagram, um, you're going to start to break through some of that. However, no matter what you do, just realize that the end of all that prep, all that work, um, you'll still have people that will come to you a day or two after the event and say, I had no idea this was happening. How did I miss this? Yeah, it's so, gutting that, isn't it? It's gutting. Uh, it's, it's, it's painful. Um, so, so, Christian, it, yeah. on, on yeah, the SharePoint ahead. Saturday side of things, because I know you've done a few of those, do you yeah. find that the marketing's changed over the last two or three years? Yeah, I mean, the hard part is it's kind of like you use the example of SP24. When you did that, nobody else had really done something like that. So it stood out. Yeah. And, and so there was a, you know, a hunger for something like that. I mean, right now, I think the difficulty, I mean, certainly you're probably feeling this, although you've got momentum and you've got your lists around your events that you're doing, like yeah. your team's uh, event, your multi-day event, for example is that you now have like the SharePoint conference was uh, the physical conference canceled. They've partnered with the West coast U S community team putting yeah. together a two day event. You have the European collaboration summit that is doing an online event. You have every user group uh, that's doing stuff. Like I've gone from hosting monthly experts uh, uh, for our user group, where I'm trying to line them up almost every single week because we're all home. So there's this, this yeah. boon now of online content. Um, so that's made it difficult, I think, for a lot of user groups. Um, though I've been advocating for a long time, what we've seen is a drop in the physical events, even before the, the, the uh, COVID-19. Yeah. Um, there was a drop in the number of attendees, but we saw a lot of growth, strong growth in people that were uh, attending virtually because we would live stream or, yeah. or broadcast in, uh, on Teams our user group meetings and we get a lot more traffic that way. And I was on the community, the organizing community, I was trying to um, push the rest of the organization to say, let's, let's stop doing monthly in person. Let's do quarterly at most and then yeah. special events like our SharePoint Saturday and let's do everything else digitally and we'll be able to grow it. And I think that because of this experience, I think there's more uh, uh, support for that idea of doing the less in person. Yeah, it's just interesting. I was, uh, the, main, the main interesting point for me, I can't imagine ever running an in-person event. Digital for me, I find really, really hard with all, everything you need to do. There's the dog for you. Yeah. yeah. But... So I'm just really interested to see whether actually SharePoint Saturdays and uh, local community events have also changed along with the way virtuals changed as well. Yeah, it's, well, it, it, I think that there was, um, SharePoint Saturdays is something very unique. Of course, you've had the uh, spsevents.org, the, the website. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to be able to brand your event and, and follow that pattern, there's certain kind of rules yeah. to follow has to be free generally had to be on a Saturday. Well, we've, we've rebranded our event here in Utah from SharePoint Saturday, Utah to Microsoft 365 Friday. 
uh, and we doubled our numbers. Uh, and so um, one of the things I think that what we've learned over doing it, that was our eighth or ninth, I can't remember, uh, year of doing those events, uh, is that you need to change it up. You need to listen to you know, your yeah. attendees. And we knew that we needed to expand the base of topics. We needed to, we did some different things where we had like a 101 workshop that was a half day workshop. So for yeah. people that were brand new to Microsoft 365 and had no hands-on experience, they could come and sit through a complete 101 onboarding half-day workshop for free and then go to whatever other sessions that they want. So um, I think we've learned to mix it up and do something different. Promotional has been for the same things, that, the reasons that you've uh, mixed things up and are focusing on paid advertising. We've done yeah. some paid advertising because we're running those exact same issues. Yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the third one is any tips for selecting content and or speakers for community events? So what, here's, here's an example that I yeah. thought was important. That uh, So we had a lot of people with the answers out in the tweet jam. I posted the comment. I said, you know, one of the things that we've done, and we've had some uh, uh, some well-known speakers that have been upset about not getting selected. Our, we, for our local events, our preference is local people giving opportunities to up and comers. Having said that, most experienced speakers that are out on the speaking circuit will submit multiple abstracts. So that makes it easier for us as an organizer to say, well, we've got these local people, we're going to have them on these topics. And then in other specialty topics that no one locally has done, or yeah. this, this big name speaker is recognized for, you know, that, and then build our schedule that way. So that's one way is to give preference to local people. Yeah. And uh, it, it's tricky for us in a virtual space because selecting content is because of COVID-19 and we're getting a lot of events thrown in. So we've been in place for two months now. We've kind of had a lot of speakers all pre-approved, but now we're seeing other events come in before us that are organized after, and they're obviously all online and all virtual, and we're seeing duplicate sessions. So it's it's a bit of a challenge for us because if, if you're gonna do a duplicate session a week before at a different event, then what's the what's the value coming to our event? So we're finding it we are finding it a bit of a challenge at the moment. But as regards like selecting speakers for our events, we love we obviously do a lot of pre-record. So for, for those of people that don't know, we do pre-record and there's a reason for doing it is because we did live for years and live is just, it's awesome for things like this, headshots, but it, most of the sessions that we like in our space are generally like screen shares. And so people need to see high resolution screens and the speakers that know Camtasia and things like the post-production uh, video production software, they do a really, really cool job at making really nice videos ahead of time, which you can never do live. So what we do is we push out the videos live, uh, as they're live. We've done that all with our conference platform. And to be honest, we never hide it, but people do think that actually it is going out live. And it means the speaker can join. And then the reason I'm saying this to answer this question is, is that if it's on demand, we love people, speakers, from a personal point of view, that can get them into us a week before so we can quality check them and help fix them out. So that's one one key thing if you're going to do anything like that is uh, regards selecting speakers is that. Uh, 
we also like to do things like uh, we do five days and so we're trying to do trying to bundle everything together either by solution or by technology so for example on globalcom 2 which is our next one we're doing a whole azure day for beginners so we're picking some azure technologies and we're putting those together because we realize that you know it's a five-day event people's attention span is a nightmare to get there's no way on earth we do have some people though but there's no way on earth 99% of the people are going to come to our event and watch every single session all five days so we try to be uh, courteous with people's time and we try to put sessions that go well together. Like we'll have a Teams day, we'll have an Azure day. And right. then last time we had a kind of freelancers day, so we on the Friday and I'm trying to do a bit more of that. But that's how we kind of select it is one is, has it been done before? Yes or no. Two is, have, does the speaker get it in on time? Yeah. And then three is, does the, the session uh track all fit together nicely right that's you know i like that whole concept and we try to do that at our you know our sps events and other events that i've tried to organize where it's almost like a a learning pathway and so if you're and 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 it doesn't always work out obviously if you got more content um i I mean i like that idea i've been to a couple larger events where there have been hundreds of of speakers where there's almost like a uh, well here's an example couple years back at Ignite, um, one of the things that they, I was a community reporter um, the, in, in Florida, and one of the things that they asked uh, from the community reporters is for us to put together kind of a, you know, what are the sessions you're interested in? And there's a few yeah. of us that went in and put together, spread across the week, said, hey, if you are really, uh, I can't remember who did the project management, but said basically, if you're a project manager focused, here is a track of, of topics that I think will really be well positioned for your yeah. role. And it's, it's harder to do with a smaller event, um, like a SharePoint Saturday, that, that kind of tailored experience. And so, yeah. as you say, there's an Azure track, there might be a Power Platform track, a Teams track, a SharePoint track, you know, things like that. Yeah. And then kind of a general special topics in another room. We generally have five or six tracks, depending, you know, for, for a room, but then you only have five or six sessions in a day and people, you know, inevitably they say, wow, you know, for a live event, you know, man, there's so many great topics I had to decide, you know, which to go and do. And that's where coming in and saying, well, based on your role, we think this path across the day might make the most sense. And so it's great to be able to provide people with options you do have people that just kind of whether online or in person that just kind of like, I don't know what looks good. And one of the things I always say uh, as far as selecting what content you're going to sit in as an attendee or participate in, if you get five, 10 minutes in and realize this is not for me, leave, go to another session. It's yeah. It's, it's there. You're either, it's either free and it's there for you or you're paying for it and it's there for you. So yeah. don't, don't feel like I'm stuck with the selection that I made here, you know, just go. Yeah, I totally agree. And you do get some people like we did, a, we had a, a beginner's flow session and flow, you've never seen it before. I'm not flow power automate. If you've seen it before, power automate is actually quite complicated, even out of the box for a non pro a person has to come from a programmer's background. It is must be mind blowing for them. And so we did a beginner's session and I thought it was a really naughty beginner's session, but you know, we got quite a few people saying that's too far advanced, hmm. but you can only go so far, can't you? It's like, yeah. well, it is beginners. And if you were coming into this, it would be perfect for you, but you do need the basic prerequisite 
knowledge of a logic you need a logical brain effectively to pick power or tomato pie i think i do like when when uh, uh when events they they are you know present of mind to to think about that is to ask you know, yeah. hey what are what what is it's not, it's not just a level and some sessions some events they don't even ask the level anymore and you should put on there 100 level which is for beginners 200 yeah. which is some knowledge of some interact with the tool 300 which is advanced and then four should be like specialty you're looking at the code you're breaking something fixing something or wiring up yeah. a uh, something you know, different you're uh, you're you're customizing that that solution um yeah we we are trying to do that more and more it's just it does get tricky because you kind of it's not always your your beginner isn't everybody's beginner session effectively and the speaker's beginning session is always the same. So right. we are starting to put labels on there, but we don't really want to totally disappoint time. I think the descriptions right. are the most important part. <laughs> exactly. And then just don't be shy about getting up and leaving the room if it's, if it's too much for you and go and, and, and you know, if it's not the right topic. Uh, the yeah. fourth, fourth question, uh, and this is more of a tactical question. So what is your PR and communication strategy with community events? So not so much about the tools as it is like the timing, like how many emails is too many emails to send out to your list? Everybody asks that question. I'd love to get your, your thoughts. Yeah, we, it's a tricky one because our model is, and it goes on to the next one, which is around sponsors. We don't really work too heavily with sponsors anymore. We used to, and our events always used to be about sponsors. So obviously you've got costs. You need to buy ads for starters. You've got production costs. You need to raise a seed amount of capital in order to run a decent event. And so it's tricky. It's a, I forgot what I was going to say. Now. It's tricky for us from a point of view that when you start off, what was the question again? Email, you about, again? You know, about communication. Email, email yeah. yes, yeah. So email is... What we do effectively in email is when people register, we send them a series of five beginner emails and it's all done in active campaign. So you register and then to get you prepared, we send you a beginner's guide to, I think we do something with Laura, we do something around Teams, we do something around Power Automate, just to get people prepared so that when they come, they don't go and we don't have a beginner session. They don't go, oh, I haven't seen the beginner session. I don't understand any of this. It's too much. So we send them that. And so that's our, our big PR. But the reason I was mentioning the, the lack of sponsors is we've got a slightly different model because we don't, uh, we don't fund it with sponsorships. And we'll go on to that in the next question. So we fund it with the All Access Pass. And the All Access Pass is where you can come along to the event free of charge and for about 20 hours afterwards. But after that, we take the sessions down. We make them available on our platform live time. And then we also produce a load of ebooks and we pile in previous sessions, a load of other goodies and some training and stuff. And that allows us to actually sell the, you know, raise, if enough people buy it, we're able to cover our cost. And so the tricky bit for us, and it's the bit that I kind of hate, is that you still have to do a bit of a selling job. So you want to come along free, that everybody's going to come to the event free of charge. But at the end of the day, you still have to go to the email list two or three times over a three month and say, look, the all access pass early bird's gonna rise, it's gonna rise in price, it's gonna rise in price. And I kind of cringe saying it, but then again, I'm also proud of the all access pass, so I kind of enjoy saying it, but I know if people aren't ever gonna buy the all access pass, they're just gonna think, oh, not another email from these guys, I just wanna attend it free. And so it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, I, I think there was some, some commentary on the Tweet Jam of, of people like, 
uh, you know, uh, not flooding the social channels as well. And of course, there's it's different. I mean, you can flood Twitter and no one will notice. Yeah. Um, but you can't do the same frequency and inundate Facebook or or LinkedIn in the same way, or Instagram. Yeah, they all, you, it's it's one of those things. The social channels is something you kind of need to do because they will bring like a little tiny amount of traffic in. And certainly the event time, I try to do them, but I kind of, I honestly do think you could probably get away just with Facebook ads and never bother with doing any of the organic traffic stuff. I agree. Uh, you know, if well. anything, I, I think it's a, well, with, with, with marketing activities in general, it's not so much about like, hey, that's the one message that's convinced me to move across. It's the culmination of all yeah. of those things. And so a lot of those other things is just a reminder, a branding reminder. Oh yeah, hey, I'm registered for that. I'm getting excited yeah. or I'm getting weary of all the messages that I'm seeing on, on Twitter. Yeah, it, can, it can get too much, but the, the thing that sticks in my head as an event organizer is I want to do the most amazing job for the attendees. I want to bring really good speakers and I want to give them a great platform. Sorry, do pre-record. But the other side is I want to do the best I can for the speakers because the last thing you want to do is run a big event, promote it, the speaker gets really excited and then there's just a couple of people in chat. It's just, I don't like it. I'm embarrassed because speakers like a good audience, so they like to be engaged as well. And so, uh, yeah, I do what I can. And if people call me, sometimes they call me a spammer, I'm a spammer. <laughs> yeah, I'll I have to, for it. just on the, the comment. So one of the things that I do love about the pre-recorded model that you follow, because then mm. as that video, while I hate listening to myself uh, talk in a video. Yeah, um, I do. <laughs> Um, being able to participate in the discussion on the side, the chat, yeah. the way that you guys do that is fantastic. And so, and that's, that is a huge advantage to the pre-recorded, even for a, you know, for any online event, running the video and then being able to sit there and do the Q and A over on the side as it's going. And, and I, the last event that I did for you guys, I mean, I made it clear like, Hey, I'm watching along with all of you. And so I was over there on yeah. the side you know, Hey, I'm going to address that point here in a minute. You know, Hey, there was that point that I made. That was really smart. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, live, let's face it live. There's a lag of 20, 30 seconds anyway. So we're not really live. And I just find that you waste so much time live because it's on your machine and you know, like your internet will probably go down just now. You've got to come back and it's just, it's just. Exactly. Small. Well, let's uh, jump to question five, which is, uh, what is the role of sponsors in your community events? Well, yeah. oh, it's saying it's unstable again, by the way. So apologies if it goes. Is it saying it's unstable for you? Yeah. Uh, no, it's just on your side. Okay. I need to get better internet somehow. But for sponsors for us, as I mentioned in the tweet jam, that we don't... As in two years ago or three years ago, we don't really work with paid sponsors anymore. We have started to do trades this time. And the reason we don't really work with sponsors is because I don't think we can offer the value what they want. Reason for that is, I'm not sure if you know about it over there, but GDPR came in. GDPR came in about two, oh God, 18 months ago now, probably two years. And you cannot share your data now unless you get every single sponsor is opted in on the registration form you literally so in that point metalogic sponsor here your attendee has to say yes they can market yes they can market yes they can market 
And so you can imagine how many people think sponsors were one the most valuable. They want leads, effectively, and that's what we used to be able to do. You used to have a catch-all opt-in back in the SB24 days, and you'd be able to give the leads over. You can't really do that anymore. Right. So the only thing, virtual events, I'm not saying physical, physical is totally different. Virtual events, the only thing we can really offer is brand awareness. So we can put a sponsor's logo on the registration page. We can also, we've got the ability to play an advert before the session. But the last thing people want to do is what we found is and we've done virtual sponsors booths as well before the last thing people want to do is they're excited about your event they don't want to go somewhere else to read about a sponsors product and that's the thing and then also the value you can charge to be honest if you know what you're doing with facebook ads you're far better off just buying a facebook ads campaign as a sponsor rather than sponsoring an event like ours if, if leads is what you want right having said that we are doing a trade this time where we are offering brand awareness in return, if the sponsor can help us promote the event. So it's just a friendly trade. There's kind of no contract, no restrictions. And so we're already seeing companies like Quiz come to do an amazing job. They're bringing some new ideas for us. And, it, and I think it really adds to the weight of your event if you've got some of these big brands actually, you know, shouting alongside you. No, I, I so, agree. And I, I, so I mentioned that during the, in the tweet jam, one of my responses was that, you know, if you can, if it makes sense, but even include in a sponsorship agreement, I mean, they're looking for leads. They're looking for new customers that are out of there. Yeah. What you and I both understand, we've done enough of these events, whether online or in person, that the sponsors that do well, it's the ones that are have multiple modes of engaging, that start conversations yeah. with people. It's not just about having your logo up there and then send me a list of people that registered for your event and then I'll go spam them via email. It's where, uh, you know, people uh, want to engage with that, that sponsor where they're going to get the most value. And so as an organizer, it's figuring out what is the sponsorship offering that's going to provide the best, the biggest benefit. And that might be, like you said, it might be bundling with the paid advertising so that they do get the lead gen, but it's also yeah. more refined, more personalized for that, that message. It's great to have um, downloadable information. So product information for those sponsors, make it more readily available. Um, and I like how you guys do it where you can have, uh, you've had sponsors of a track or sponsors even of a, of a specific speaker or a topic during an yeah. event. And so then they go get in there and they can participate. Again, where it makes the most sense, if they're participating, if they're sponsoring, if I'm speaking for an hour on Microsoft Teams governance, and there's yeah. uh, you know, somebody in there like Sharegate has a governance product, and they wanna market, they want to sponsor that session. What that means is their logo is up there the whole time. I'm never gonna bring up and talk about the sponsors because I just, I don't do that, it's all educational. Um, but in the, th in the conversation that's happening on the side, when it's relevant, you know, that Sharegate person can be on there and they could be like, well, actually, hey, we do have, we have a solution that does this. And here's some of the things that we've seen. So they're engaging in context in that conversation. And the, the likelihood will be that much greater that somebody will click on stuff. And then, of course, in the resources, have something to send to people as well. Be ready if people want more information to give something out yeah. as part of that. Let them read more. Let them follow up. Yeah, we're, we're trying to, like I say, we're trying a few more things with the trades this time where you can play the ad before and we'll invite the sponsor to come into the session and, you know, we'll have a little sponsored mention in the chat at the start, sponsored mention in the chat at the end. And also we'll 
outside of the event will also help them promote on our social channels uh, and potentially we're going to do a wrap-up email which says thanks to the sponsors and uh, here's, here's their great offering and check this out check that out so we might do something like that as well but yeah G for me gdpr changed everything yep. <laughs> which is a bit gutting and it's made it hard but it's also to be honest made it's made us be more creative and i think for people that can't make the sessions and can't save i'm really proud of the all access pass and we've never had to do that if we just got to ship more well but, i mean the other benefit of that and and i'll just i'll shill for your event here the flip side really really quick that is the fact that you do then collect all of those other resources as part of the the all access pass it's not just that you're selling entrance into the event is that you're providing those huge bundles of exclusive content um that that, that come yeah. with so there is a compelling reason so you get to the recording so you're you're at the event which you can go and do free you get access to all the recordings afterwards which you don't just get and then you get all of the the ebooks and white papers and and other material that come from those those speakers so that's that's a pretty compelling bundle that's, yeah, and it, yeah. it kind of works out well as well. And we, we're going to do a little bit more with that in the future because some of the feedback we've got is that our delivery of the All Access Pass after the event could be better. And we kind of know that. So we're building a new environment called Fact 365ers, which is where you're going to get all of the, uh, the on-demand content afterwards. That's actually a good segue because the next question, number six, is if you've conducted a community event post-mortem, what were your key takeaways? So I know you guys did this because I remember after the first SP24, when there was the big wrap up and some of us in the community were, that were speakers were able to kind of provide some feedback, like what worked, what didn't work here? Um, do you do that generally after each one of your events? We haven't done recently, but the earlier days, in fact we have done, yes. In the earlier days when we used to do live, the, the number one takeaway was, I couldn't see the session in my country, the speaker uh, quality of the session was terrible. And that's why we made the big move to pre-record because we couldn't take it anymore because it's not fair on the speaker and it's not fair on the attendee either. So that was the big takeaway. Uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to think what I put in the tweet jam now. There was another one as well. What, what have you seen yourself in your events? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, the there's always a lot of feedback on uh, getting the word out there. You know, people want to... Um, Mm. You know, one of the biggest complaints is, hey, you know, look, there were three sessions happening at the same time that I wanted to, to participate in. Yeah. Um, you know, so what can you do? And that, that again, is another reason why the pre-recorded and making content, um, even if it's only available exclusively to paid people for the 30 days afterwards, and then after that, maybe push it all out to YouTube <laughs> to promote for, you know, the, 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 the event brand going forward. Uh, there needs to be some exclusivity there, but the the, the other takeaways. Uh, um, I mean, we get the same stuff that everybody gets. So it's the it's the problem with the post event survey, is that either you get the this this glowingly happy that was the best thing I've ever experienced in my life feedback, or you get the that was horrible and I hate you die um, feedback. There's nothing in between, and there's rarely anything yeah. constructive. Do um, we don't need to hear about the room was too warm because when you say it's too warm, somebody else was freezing cold. Um, the lights were too bright; it was too dark. I mean, all those kinds of environmental factors that 
are normal and you're just extra whiny about. No, if there's legitimate feedback, like you didn't have any of these topics, I was expecting these, or the topics, this presenter, it didn't match the abstract or, you know, uh, things like that, that make us go and look and say, well, you know what, that speaker we thought did all right, but apparently, you know, people just dislike this speaker or they pitched yeah. their product or services and didn't provide educational content. Yeah. You know, we'll never select them again kind of stuff. Or right. we know for next year, you know, here we also want to cover these topics. Yeah, and just thinking back about it now, one of the things we've had to change is because we're doing four a year, so we're doing global con one, two, three, four, and then we'll do the same again next year. We can't do beginner sessions every single time because it's just kind of ridiculous because we've already done a parallel beginner session. It doesn't make sense to do one next time. So some of the, the feedback we get is again why we've tried to fix it with that email series I mentioned is when people come to the next one and it's a bit more of an advanced power app session, they'll go, well, I don't understand about power apps. Where's the beginner stuff? And like I say, you can't keep doing it. So the way we've addressed it is we drip the, the previous beginner stuff out via email and ask people to watch it. And then if they don't, they don't. But at least we've got to say, we asked you to watch it, we haven't watched it. So that's right. our comeback. So I think for us, yes, definitely level and pitching of session and quality of the agenda is something we've had to look at quite closely. Right. Are, are you also doing surveys out in advance to see if there's any topics, any subject matter that you've, you've missed? Um, yes. Late? To be honest, it's all beginner. Yeah. <laughs> it's nearly all beginner. I don't know if it's our audience, but we go out on Facebook ads and we do, we do survey them. People just are beginning in so many of these technologies nowadays. Yeah, but you look at it, it Teams has had like an 800% growth uh, you know, yeah. in this Q1, something like that. And most of those people are exactly, they're beginners. So they're, they're just finding yeah. out about events like yours for the first time. So that makes sense to me. It does, it does make a lot of sense, but it's kind of, yeah, it's a tricky one. And that's why I like five days, because you can have a beginner day and you can push out content to them at a time. And then they're yeah, coding by, by day five. That's what you're saying? <laughs> yes, by day five, it starts to get a little bit advanced. Yeah. <laughs> well, so the last question that we talked about today, so following the community event, what steps do you take to keep the community connected? You kind of just said that, you're trickling out the content. Is there anything else that you do from a community building standpoint? Yeah, we do quite a lot. So we've got Facebook groups are massive for us. Like our Teams group has grown. I think it was 10,000 only four weeks ago, and it's now 20,000. Wow. And there's a lot of beginner on there, and it's, that's grown massively. We tried to moderate the hell out of that, but not always easy. But that's and the people in that group have been amazing. So like, really helped each other out, and it's it's one of the groups I'm most proud of. More so more we, amazing than the Microsoft, the recently rebranded Microsoft 365 community in Facebook. <laughs> I know I got beat up a bit for spamming that, uh, but but I, you know, I see with the clarified for those that don't know too. If you go out to Facebook. So I, I don't participate as much in the Teams one, honestly, just yeah. because I forget that it's there because I use the M365 community uh, and, and yeah. I go in there looking for questions. Because like I'm doing the office hours now, that's one thing that it's not specifically <coughs> tied to an, an event, but we push everybody to go to that M365 community and we, we're just a bunch of MVPs that get together every Monday at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. Pacific. So we yeah. hit, you know, EMEA and APAC uh, and then answer questions. And we look to that community 
to see what questions have been discussed and then we discuss them on that those calls yeah um, but what's the membership like in that one uh that's smaller that's about three thousand Oh, that's a lot smaller. Okay, I need to. Yeah, so pay the, the big one, we, the biggest one we have is Azure, which is thirty-nine thousand. Wow. But the the best one is Teams by a country mile. That's the that's the one where people are really diving in. And I think it's just the timing and Teams yeah. has grown, but people are really helping each other out. Well, that's always the, the the hard thing. It's like I mean, obviously, post an event, you you send out kind of the follow up email or or email campaigns and and uh, let people. You know, uh, you're doing stuff quarterly now, so. You're yeah. letting people aware be aware of that. For what we're doing for like, since we have our formerly known as SharePoint Saturday Utah event every February, the in-person event, but we also have our virtual event, uh, like the Azure, uh, the global Azure event, which is like just about to happen or whatever. I don't, I, I'm on the committee, but I'm not um, actively participating in that one event. But I help put on like the dev boot camps, the the the, the Windows uh, Insiders event every uh, fall, um, and a bunch of these. So we're we're trying to cross promote the many. There's 14 different Microsoft related user groups here in Northern Utah, and so we try to cross promote across those for the physical yeah. events um, through the webinars, and then we promote kind of the next quarterly event that's happening here in region. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to get better about um, coordinating and promoting, even if we're not involved, if there's a relevant event within the community, we're putting our weight and our resources behind like promoting those other activities, whether or not we get that back, that help back. Because some of those user groups, they don't help at all with the rest of what, what we're doing. But yeah. uh, it's the benefit of the, of the users of the participants to be aware of what's happening in the calendar. And so we're trying to set up, we call ourselves that we do this under the banner of an umbrella organization called the Microsoft User Group Utah, MUGIT. And, uh, and so we, we, it's all about cross promoting. So we get nothing out of it. It just sucks up our time and promoting yeah. all this stuff. But, uh, it's in it. <laughs> but it, it, it helps it because look, it, you know, a rising ocean floats all boats. So that's the, the idea so that we want we want to see this approved and we want people to be more aware of all of the stuff that's happening outside the community. I love that saying. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I, it's, I don't know where it comes from. It's an old one, but yeah, I really like that. A rising tide. That. It's a rising tide floats all boats. Is it? Yeah. I should use that and say it's mine. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, quoted, you know, Thank the little squirrely <laughs> Mark Jones. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the things. And then just to recap that, label behind me what we're doing is we're trying to make a bit more of a, a community for people who bought the all-access pass and so we're going to introduce a mobile app and give people a way to a bit of gamification thrown in there uh, some extra courses to take and some certificates so it's taken a lot of building but we're going to get there with that hopefully this year that's very exciting well looking forward to that i'm mean, you know, looking forward to that event um so i i know that uh I think the call for speakers is all closed or is it this week? It's still open. Yeah, uh, it's, still, it's still open. We're still, we're up in the air about, we're actually thinking about making it because we're just single track per day. So one yeah. track per day. We're actually debating whether to make it two tracks because we've got loads of session submissions. Yeah, well, I and, bet. Yeah. I we've bet. got some quite exciting news from Microsoft, which really surprised me actually, hopefully to announce in the next day or two. Oh, very cool. 
Yeah. Well, Mark, really appreciate you taking the time to help uh, come in to summarize. Thanks for participating in the Tweet Jam today. And uh, oh, we'll see you uh, next week we're, or next week. Next month, we're doing the topic is around uh, takeaways from that uh, community-driven post or that, that, you know, SharePoint conference online community event thing that's happening before yours. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but we'll do in the tweet jam at the end of May, the last day of May. And uh, we'd love to have oh, okay. it. So, but thanks a lot. Thank you so much. And thanks for doing the tweet jam, Christian. Nice to speak to you. Nice to speak to you. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. You can find us online at collabtalk.com, as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.